I'm ready to run through a brick wall. The Giants defense stood tall Sunday in Seattle, leading Big Blue to their fourth straight victory. We dive into the 17-12 Giants win. Patrick Graham's defense dominating Russell Wilson. And don't look now, but the Giants can legitimately win the NFC East. We'll also chat with one of my favorite teammates, Super Bowl 42 champion punter with more punts and punt yards than anyone in NFL history. It's the Giants pre- and post-game analysts on WFAN, Jeff Fiegels. Choo-choo, hop on the Wayne train and stay for the ride. It's a happy recap first place edition A Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post, a Victory edition of the show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your continued support in what is a fun season right now for the New York Giants. Your host of Blue Rush, a Giants longtime beat writer for the Post, Paul Schwartz, and two-time Giants Super Bowl champion kicker, Lawrence Tynes. Will the real McCoy stand up? Just a kid from Akron, Nico Lelos, 2014 called in, and Alfred Morris appeared. Vince Carter Coughlin showed up too. Choo-choo, guys. Hop on the Wayne train to 5-7, and seven, four straight wins, and a first-place lead in the AFC East. You called a win, Tynesy, and the G-Men went out and got it. How about that? Yes, they did. And you know what? I just saw this brewing. I saw this confidence And confidence in pro football is a dangerous, dangerous thing for your opponents because this team had won three games in a row. They go into Seattle, didn't let Russ cook. They didn't let him do Jack. You know what? This team is hot right now. Giants Nation should be excited. Paul, are you excited? Well, yes. First of all, look, I'm I'm, I'm very happy you picked the game. I know you picked the Giants often. I picked them to cover. Now we have someone else on this podcast, Sarah McCrory, who also picked the Giants to win. Um, I think she picked them to lose once, I think about seven years ago, but no, she picks them to win mostly, but she got it right. We got to give her props to look Lawrence. We can talk about Colt McCoy and Wayne Gallman props to all of them. No question. Alfred Morris, but This is a game, and this is a team that scored 17 points. The quarterback threw for 105 yards. These aren't discrediting. This is just saying, crediting, this was all about the defense. All about the defense. It's a game you're supposed to lose when you only score 17 points, right? And and, and do some bad things on special teams. I mean, this defense is surprising me. Is it shocking you, surprising you? Is it doing what you expected? I think it's... Shocking me and surprising me. This, uh, you know, just I didn't see this coming. I didn't think we had the personnel to do what we're doing, but obviously we also didn't factor in. Nobody knew much about Patrick Graham. So, and Colt did exactly what we thought he would. He didn't do anything great. He didn't do anything poorly. Colt McCoy was Colt McCoy yesterday for a guy who hasn't played a game, you know, maybe in what, four or five years. So this defense is really, really good. We have to stop saying it's smoke and mirrors and Patrick Graham's coming up with complex schemes. They're good. I mean, they really are good. And they held DK Metcalf in check and Tyler Lockett didn't do much, but they're a good defense. We have to start talking about them in, in, in that regard now. They're a very, very good NFL defense. 
know, this is a classic example. What what are they doing on the Fox broadcast? DK Metcalf makes a catch. His longest catch was 21 yards, right? He, he, he's held in check. Five catches, 80 yards. The Giants said, Jabril Pepper said, our goal every play is play another play. Make him snap at another play. Make him snap at another play. Don't get beat over the top. And so DK Metcalf has a catch and he has a nice little stiff arm, which gets him about one extra yard against James Bradbury. And they're going crazy on the broadcast with his yeah. shimmy and this and that. Do you think James Bradbury cares about that? I mean, that is a classic example of what some people look at in the NFL and what the Giants think is important. What they think is important is get the guy down. Don't worry about this macho BS, right? Did you, did you notice that on the broadcast? It, it's just so silly. It was, it was a little Seahawks heavy, and I tweeted that last night. It was yeah. definitely Seahawks heavy, DK Metcalf heavy. I mean, on Wayne's run, you know, they they talked more about Jamal Adams running him down. And listen, that's a, that's a great hustle play. We all know Jamal Adams is an unbelievable player. But could we maybe highlight the blocking on the edge to get Wayne Gallman free? They didn't do that. But I said this, you earn the right to be talked about and bragged about in the NFL by by these um, TV channels, whatever the hell I'm talking about here. And we haven't really earned the right to be bragged on until now. And I think, you know, DK Metcalf is kind of a polarizing figure and they highlighted that. But to your point, that's, you know, a stiff arm is not important to, to, to the New York football giants. And we're not no, going to see any self videos yeah. post game celebration coming out of that that unit so um this is a different brand of giants football almost like coughlin days well you know the jabril said jabril peppers who i mean i think he's playing tremendous i mean if you love safety play jamal adams and mm. jabril peppers in that game i mean you could you know if right now i mean i'm not going to do a, a census of every safety in the league but right now if you tell me peppers and adams are your two NFC pro bowlers, I would say, okay, okay. You know, I don't need to look any further. I'll go to, I'll go to battle with those two guys. I mean, they were terrific, you know, terrific. And but Pepper said, we walked in here confident. I'm not going to lie. The team had a different swagger about them. We had a different juice about them today because we knew if we played our brand of football, we knew we could shock a lot of people. Now, what we're finding out is what the brand of Giants football is. You know what it is, Lawrence? Carter Coughlin, Darnay Holmes, yeah. Cam Brown, Nico Lalos, Tay Crowder, five rookies, one undrafted, one fourth round, the rest sixth and seventh rounders. That's why when you say you're surprised by this, I mean, how could you not be? I mean, Carter Coughlin is setting the edge and letting Leonard Williams drop um, Chris Carson for one yard. I mean, he's chasing after Russell Wilson, maybe the most elusive quarterback in football. They're getting stuff. And that's a credit, obviously, to Patrick Graham and his coaching staff. They see a player. They say, if he has a uniform, it's our job to figure out how he needs to help us on the field. And if he doesn't, it's our fault. These guys are helping them on the field and and we don't know who the hell they are. Yeah. And that's true. And they're just putting people in the right positions. And I think that's obviously a credit to this coaching staff. And Joe Judge certainly has to be talked about in the coach of the year conversation. I, I really believe that after an 0-5 start to where they are now, this team's playing about as good as you. I mean, they went into Seattle with a backup quarterback who hadn't played in almost five years and won. So th there's something to be said about that, beating an 8-3 uh, Seahawks team who everyone says is one of the top two or three teams. Now we got to get a little bit more on offense. I know that. I think we all know that. But again, this team won exactly how we thought they would on defense, and that's what won the football game. Yeah, you mentioned about Colt McCoy, right? He He's, um, you know, fourth start since 2014, I guess. Yeah, that's tough. Um, you know, I mean, and you said he did what about what he you thought he would. I mean, I quite frankly in the first half was disappointed in Colt McCoy. He was looked a little jittery. Now he, he was. said he said 
I wasn't confused. I was seeing what I needed to see out there, but I was reacting too quickly. Mm-hmm. And that was the rust. You know, that was interesting. I mean, tell me about that. Now, he wasn't like, I don't know what I'm seeing from Seattle defenses. Okay, I got this. I got this. But he was too jittery. And I guess that's a little bit of nerves. And it's a little bit of, I just haven't been out there, right? I, that's what it, it is. is. And he he hadn't seen a lot of defenses live. I mean, practice is practice. Game is game. And you could see that. There was a play that sticks out in my head to Sterling Shepard and and of course there was heat off the edge from Jamal Adams, but man, Colt just had to hold it just another half second. He threw it so damn early. Everything was happening so fast, but that's just a product of not playing very much. He had to minimize turnovers. He had one turnover. Look, it's the Evan Ingram <laughs> deflection. <laughs> we got to come up with a name for those kinds of interceptions because that's the fourth or fifth one this year that is somehow in his zip code. It, 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 it's it's the, the this is not the anatomy of a disaster. This is the anatomy of the Evan Engram interception aura, right? The pass is not 100%, right? You know, Daniel Jones has done this. It's a little bit hot. It's a little bit behind him. He gets one or two hands on it. It's catchable. The ball, of course, is not batted down. It's batted up into the air, and that was the interception. So Colt McCoy, welcome to the club. Daniel Jones knows it. Eli Manning knows it. You're now an official member of the Evan Ingram <laughs> Deflection Interception Club. Um, it's something. You know, well, something I noticed about him, and, and obviously this is – I want to keep everything positive on the show, but he looks to me like he's playing not to get hurt. And I and maybe that's true. He, he doesn't sell out for anything. I mean, that ball, if he just moves inside – a half yard, he's either going to get interfered with and be in a better position to catch that ball. Instead, he just reaches his hand out and tips the ball, and obviously we know what happened. It looks like he's playing not to get hurt. So I don't ever want to call someone soft. But it to me, if I'm watching him play, it looks to me like that's his thought. Like he doesn't do anything. He doesn't sell out. You watch a Kelsey. You watch some of these Kittle guys that just go all out and dive and jump and put their body on the line. Evan Ingram doesn't do that. Well, for, I, that's I, a problem. I would disagree a little bit. I think he does it when he can catch a ball by diving, by leaping. But I agree with you that when he senses there's a defender nearby, yeah. That when he he will he will sell out for a ball if he feels his body is in control if he senses that if I sell out for this I may get hit by somebody maybe he does shy away I also think we talk about quick twitch guys I don't know if he has the quick twitch because these interceptions are these deflections are coming off quick motion quick yeah. motion you know get your hands up quick get your hands up quick almost there are times where you want to say Evan. You don't have to declare yourself as an eligible receiver on every play. We know you're an eligible receiver. Act like it. You know, that's kind of harping on. That was a one big negative on the offense. I like Colt McCoy's best line of the day was, look, the guy is real. Uh, The guy understands football. He was a, you know, a college legend in Texas. He said, you don't win a lot of games when you have zero points at halftime. So he knew what the deal was. Yeah. They could have been down instead of five nothing. They could have been down by a lot more than that. And now you can't run the ball. Now you got to throw the ball. Now you're down by two scores. Seattle's pinning their ears back. Seattle was never able to do that. He said, our defense kept us in it. And we came out making some plays in the second half. That brings me to the running game. That second offensive series in, in the second half, 80 yards, 77 on the ground, 60 by Wayne Gallman, finished up by Alfred Morris. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this Giants offensive line and this running game had that in them against this Seattle run defense. It's a good run defense. They wore them down. 
Um, and to come out and do that, and as you said last week, Colt McCoy knows where his bread is buttered. It was defense, don't turn the ball over, let's run the football. And he did, listen, I, I was impressed with him in that last drive we had to milk some clock. That was a huge drive for us to get two, three minutes off the clock and then obviously give Seattle the ball back. But he's a he's a wonderful guy. I mean, you can see why he's in that locker room. I don't know if anyone watched his post-game interview. Very humble guy, played for his father in, in Texas, Texas legend. Alfred Morris, what a sweet guy. I mean, what an awesome dude, great interview. You can just tell these guys are happy to be with this organization and happy to be playing football. The team is full of those guys. The energy is infectious, and they're having fun. And listen, they're I know they're five and seven, but it, this is a dangerous team moving forward. I think they're a dangerous – nobody wants to play the Giants. And who would have thought we'd be saying that? I mean, Alfred Morris, when they picked him up and they signed him to the practice squad, he's 31 years old. I mean, he had a, what, 1,600-yard rookie year in, um, you know, 1963. He was a great player. was a great player in Washington. Well, he was a great player in a great yeah. system. You know, yep, he and RG3, um, you know, like I said, we've talked about this. I remember sitting, standing next to Justin Tuck's locker. He looked like about 100 years old after one of those games. And I guess it was, was it 2011, maybe? When, whenever it was when, um, when Alfred Morris had his big year. And Justin Tuck was just saying, I got to chase around RG3 and this guy, Alfred Morris, for the rest of my 2012, career. 2012, I think he had like 1,600 rushing yards yeah, rookie year. That yeah. was it. And, and I mean, you know, and the Giants won the game. But Alfred Morris, Lawrence, has played before yesterday, he had played in 110 NFL games. Okay. Take a guess how many touchdown catches he had in those 110 games. I'm cheating here because I saw the interview. Zero. Zero, right. As many points as the Giants had in the first half, zero. So you talk about a coaching staff getting stuff out of these players. Now, it's a play fake. It only works because they were running the ball so darn well that he's wide open. You know, Colt floats it out there. Just listen to Pete Carroll. You know, Pete Carroll is a guy who kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. He said about the Giants running game, he said, I was really surprised we weren't able to slow them down in the third quarter running the football <laughs> they ran some basic stuff and they got away from us I mean he was stunned I mean I think everyone was stunned and I mean that brought me back to some of, of your old teams where they just said lined up they made adjustments in the first half they, they they ran for 32 yards in the first half 158 yards in the second half I mean yeah. Zyler, Gates and Thomas played all 56 56 snaps Fleming and Lemieux played 42 snaps they mixed in a little bit of Pert your guy a little bit of Will Hernandez. That that was stunning. I mean, Wayne Gallman is is you know he's not making a dollar per yard that he's gaining, but it's pretty close, right? I mean, I don't know if he gained if he made sixty thousand on that sixty yard run, but he's making money with each yard he churns out here. I think what makes it even more impressive is that the Seattle Seahawks could defend, you know, playing man or they played a, a little bit of zone, but. The fact that they knew the Giants were going to run and they still run the football, that is that is when you can flex a little bit. This football team over the last six or seven weeks is top three or four in the NFL running the football. You watch some of the other teams in the NFL having success, the Cleveland Browns stick out. Running the football is back. I mean, yeah, you still want to sling it all over the yard, but their running game is really something to, to be respected throughout the league. And you're right. When you run – when you know they know you have to run is is the greatest. I mean that that was your 2012 team, right? Uh, you know, running the ball like crazy. Uh, if you're the Seahawks on defense, you got to be kicking yourselves. Yeah. You had Colt McCoy. You know he can't throw the ball down the field. They tried it a few times. He throws for 105 yards. You know he completes what 13 passes. 
The game is tight. You know they're going to run the ball. That's the only avenue they had to win the game. And and not that they let them do it, but they did it. And and were you confident Russell Wilson gets the ball back with what? 148 to go, down five. Boy, this is a situation where the Giants played their hearts out. And, okay, yeah. this is a 19-17 loss. Russell Wilson's going to do Russell Wilson things. At that point, are you saying, no, that that Giants defense is over with. This is the new Giants in town? Or were you thinking, well, Russell's Russell. This He's going to do it. I felt better about it than obviously I had in previous years or even earlier this season. But I, I didn't expect them to just absolutely shut him down. Um, because he, you know, the previous drive, they didn't make it really look easy. I mean, Russell Wilson, that throw he made to Carson, that was an unbelievable throw on the run. Yeah over yep. Bradbury in between him and Peppers. And it was a good route. DK Metcalf took Peppers a little bit away from the from the play, but it's Russell Wilson. And we all we have all watched him do what he does in the fourth quarter. He's an unbelievable football player. But again, this is a different Giants football team. The thing I'd like to jump on after this is is this special teams unit. Oh boy. I mean the lap tallies. What are they going to be doing today? They may be running laps right now downtown Seattle, Washington before they head home because wow. This is bad. And they they had a couple, you know, even on the on the coverage after the safety. That's very, very unlike this football team. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, maybe they're spending too much time on the defense, but they need to clean that up. That that pump block should have never happened. What did you see there? I mean, the, the guy came I, through. What did you yeah, see? so Mayo looks like he takes the four with the center when the four was to his right, you know, and then they did the double runaround. He's got to get more depth right there. I think Mayo messes it up. Everyone wants to look at Ebner. Like, Ebner took the guy, the free rusher. That's his job. And then the free rusher runs off his edge. I think it was um, Downs. He was the two. He he uh, got too wide, and, and Mayo didn't get any depth, which created that gap right there. If, if Mayo gets depth and Downs also gets depth and not width, you clutter it all up. That's what, what T-Mac will say. You, you got to muddy it up, and then Ebner will pick up the free guy. So – for me, not pointing fingers here, but I'm going to. I feel like Mayo maybe took the wrong guy to start with, which creates a gap. And then that free runner came in. It was a hell of a run, but that's not that's not a complicated blitz what they ran. I watched it a hundred times. You know, and we talk about all the time the Giants have no margin for error. And early nope. in the season, when they're one and seven, they have no margin for error. But the last two games, they won close games and they had big special teams breakdown so they do have a little bit of margin for error if their defense can keep on playing like that and that brings me to Leonard Williams because on that last play on that last series when Julian Loves drops that interception oh boy you know that's going to come back and haunt the oh. job, right? and he, I mean, the, ball, the yeah. game is over right and and that's oh. the kind of thing that should come back and bite you it doesn't right and because Leonard Williams what do we say late pass rush right late pass rush is key Lawrence your team's always had late pass rush. This team does it differently. When they, when Leonard Williams sacked Russell Wilson for eight yards, and the one thing Pete Carroll pointed out that he said, you know, they were not, these were not just sacks. The Giants sacked them five times. These were what he called monster sacks, 47 yards worth of losses, you know, you know, yeah. 10 yards, 15 yards. So once you get that eight yard sack, now it's third and 18. Leonard Williams, it, now he credited Dalvin Tomlinson for, for clearing away for him, allowing him to kind of loop around and break free. This is exactly what the Giants need. I mean, this is what they crave. They want a guy late in the game can can put down the quarterback. And Leonard Williams has really not been that player for his whole career. He's got eight and a half sacks. His career high was seven. Are we seeing the emergence of a star player here? Yeah. I mean, he's young too, right? 24, 25. I mean, he's not. I think he's 26 and it's, it's you know, he's oh, in his 
sixth year. I mean, yeah, he came in as a young player. Um, yeah. What they're doing defensively is is eye opening. I think even you know, but we got to credit the staff, the positional players, because they're getting something out of these players that no one else in the previous two regimes, not that everyone's been here that long, is getting out of them. So it's it's really fun to watch. I tell you what, it it's exciting. And one thing I want to go back on on that special teams thing, and I mentioned this, I think the Giants kind of dodged a little bit of a bullet there with that safety. That was a huge oh. play because oh. I said this. I think if they punt that, there's no doubt in my mind they're getting a field goal. No doubt in my mind. There was about a minute and some change left, maybe less. But you punt that ball from five yards deep in your own end zone, you're giving up three. So we netted one less point against us. I know well, that's probably the, not how you draw it up. but Yeah, the ball is loose in the end zone. I mean, the guy had one elbow down. They recover that. I mean, they probably should have recovered it for a touchdown you get the ball slapped back in your end zone right it, it's it's you gotta right. be lucky you gotta be yeah. lucky in this game i mean it, it, listen you can drop all the x's and o's you want but in pro football you got to have a little bit of luck and things go your way and that was certainly one play because that would have changed the whole complexion of the game i think and did we did we jinx graham gano by having him on the blue rush podcast by missing his first extra point now he came back and hit a 48 yard field goal big time so, but, uh, you know, missing an extra point, I'm sure Graham's going to be – I'll uh, say this as a player and as a kicker. I hated, and it didn't happen very often, I hated not having an opportunity in the first half. Because, you know, you, you wait around, and sure, he kicked off, but that's – you want to go out there in the first quarter, go get a kick early, get your rhythm, get your timing, get your feels. And, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to say I thought Graham was going to miss because who the hell thinks that? But that's my excuse for that is he just hadn't been out there. And you don't like that as a kicker. You want to be out there early in the game to get a get a kick in. And he waited a long time, and we haven't seen that all season. I mean, obviously, he's been a, a juggernaut for us. But, you know, that kick he made was huge. Big, big kick. And he's done that a lot of, a lot this year. Yeah, well, it was 5 nothing at the halftime. It was, you know, the Giants left a lot of runners on base, right? They they uh they gave up yeah. that three-run home run and uh, you know, 5 nothing, boy. You guys when I when I saw 5 nothing, I said, "You know what? This has got like an 18-6 Giants loss written all over it." But they started running the ball and um that was about it. Now, the Eagles lose, right? They bench Carson Wentz, so that's another nail in their coffin. Mm. You know, the Giants can I mean, they can't put the hammer down in the division, but depending on what happens with the Cowboys and Washington, two, you know, games that they're favored to lose, they're big yeah. underdogs. I mean, the Giants going into next week and playing the Cardinals can be in control, I dare say, of this division. They can be. And Washington's a dangerous team. They're a little bit like the Giants. They're hot right now. They're playing really good defense. And Alex Smith has played really well. So I wouldn't be shocked if the if Washington wins tonight. I think this is going to come down to what it always comes down to. Week 17, Giants-Cowboys. Giants are going to have to win the game to potentially win the division. Well, the Giants had the breakthrough, right? They have the best victory in the division right now. Um, yeah. Now, the, the Cowboys upset the Vikings, but the Vikings are not the Seahawks. So when you look at these teams and you look at who they have left, you kind of say, well, they're not going to beat that good team. They're not going to beat that good team. In the division, anybody can beat anybody. And then you say, you know, if you got the Bengals, you can beat the Bengals. You know, if there's a bad team there, you can beat the bad team. The Giants had the first breakthrough. They beat a legitimate first place playoff team on the road so now can any other team get another breakthrough if they can't the giants are going to win this darn thing and yeah um, <laughs> they're going to host a game with no fans at metlife stadium um but it's going to be a dangerous team if they can keep progressing i think they need a little more punch offensively they absolutely uh, 
do. They need Daniel. I mean, they got to Yeah. And Slayton's got to show up a little bit more. And and I get Cole McCoy played yesterday. I understand that he did make a good catch one, but Slayton needs to to start showing up. I, what's that one catch in two or three games? I mean, that's not enough. We, we missed Daniel Jones. I mean, I think, you know, he's getting better. Hopefully he can play this week. And I, I don't think you beat the Cardinals scoring whatever 16, 17, 18 points. They're, they're going to score points. Yeah, Colt McCoy said he gave Daniel Jones tremendous amount of props and tremendous amount of just, just he felt great that the way Daniel Jones was able to help him during the week. He said, look, and, and this is what I thought all week. I didn't think, you know, Daniel Jones, people saying, well, they shouldn't play Daniel Jones. They shouldn't risk that hamstring. It wasn't a matter of should. He was injured. He could not play. Now, could he go out there and throw the ball? Yeah, but yeah. he could not escape. He could not protect himself. It, that was not going to be the case, you know, where, where they were going to put him out there. You don't put injured players. If you're hurt, you can play. If you're injured, you can't play. He could not play. But, and Colt said, Daniel knew that he wasn't going to play and he was still great. He said the Giants are incredibly fortunate to have Daniel Jones on their team. So this Colt McCoy, Daniel Jones relationship is the perfect starter backup relationship. And the sense is that Daniel Jones was, I don't think he was close, but he was close enough where they yeah. think he's going to be a viable option this week. They still have to be careful, but yeah, they, they can't look. The Giants defense has given up 21 or fewer points in four straight games. The first time that's happened since 2011, a team you were on. So they can't keep doing that. They, no. they, 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 their defense is good. They have to get into the 25, 28 point range here. They need Daniel Jones to come back. They need to get the passing game going. The running game is great because you can't live on the edge like that with 17, 18. I mean, the Giants score in the teens and win games. I mean, that's just unheard of. But look, when you win, you win. Yeah, that that, that doesn't surprise me about Daniel Jones. We we can kind of see his character from, from afar. I mean, that, that this team is made up of a lot of high character guys. You can just see it in the interviews. And that's part of building a football team. You Sure, you want the talent, but you want to have great locker room guys, great chemistry. Wayne Gallman talked about it. I think Leonard Williams talked about it. I mean, these guys continuously keep bringing up the character of this football team and the want to and the get better and the standard. And so it's fun to watch. And and but again, offensively, we need a little more. They got to get a little bit more explosive if they want to, dare I say, make a run. And the last time, guys, Colt McCoy won as a starting quarterback. He had Alfred Morris in the backfield. It was 2014, which happened to be the year Lawrence Tynes retired from the NFL. I don't know if that makes you feel any younger or older, LT. Ah, uh, yeah. Let me think about that one. All right. Well, Thursday we'll preview Giants, Cardinals. The Cardinals coming in, losers of three straight games. Cheerio. Joining us next is a Super Bowl 42 champion punter that played 22 seasons in the NFL for the Patriots, Eagles, Cardinals, Seahawks, and ending his career with seven seasons on the Giants from 2003 through 2009. He was a pro bowler for Big Blue in 2008. He holds a ton of records in NFL history. He has the most punts with 1,713. He's got the most punt yards with 71,211. In 22 seasons, he never missed a single game. That's an unmatched record and probably is going to stay that way forever. You can now catch him as an analyst on the Giants pre- and post-game shows with a cavalcade of stars like my guy Lance Meadow on WFAN and Giants.com. It's number 18, a fellow baldy, the durable one, Jeff <laughs> Fegels. Jeff, welcome to Blue Rush. How are you? I'm doing good. 
and doing really good, especially after uh, yesterday. But uh, it's always really nice to, to be on the program. Great to talk to you guys. Uh, and, you know, I wish I could see you guys in person, but that's just the way it is these days. So great to be here. One of my favorites, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. You are around this football team. You cover this football team. The growth the fans have seen, you've seen. What is this team? I mean, we are so excited. I think the fan base is excited. But the incremental growth that we've seen from week one to now, pretty mind-blowing, especially during this COVID era. Yeah. Well, it's been a process. I think that it's been really different because at the beginning of the season, I think Paul would probably agree with me, is that we were all sitting here going, where, you know, where is the defense? Where is the pass rush going to come from? Uh, we're not so much worried about the offense. We want to see the maturation of Daniel Jones. You got Saquon Barkley, um, and then all of a sudden, the defense is the talk of the town. The defense is, as you saw yesterday in that game against Seattle, that's a playoff caliber defense. So, and what's happened is, is that Joe Judge is coming into this organization and has changed the culture. He's got the guys believing and the things that he's wanting them to do. And they are so, as Coach Coughlin used to say, and I know LT, you would understand it, they are so steely focused. Every week is different. And they just, you know, they don't look ahead. They don't look behind. And they just approach every game individually. And then they go out and, and they've got really good, a really good staff, um, defensively, offensively. So, you know, these guys, they're young. They're a young football team. So these guys are learning on the run. They're understanding how and what to do on the field, off the field, how to prepare. And then the Giants are very slowly inserted some veterans in there like Logan Ryan in that defensive backfield that, and Bradbury, those guys, you know, if you look at what the Giants were missing last year in the secondary, they didn't have any leadership outs back there. So it's just the way it is. And I think this Giants team has got a good chance to, to scare some people, but they certainly enough have four tough games co- coming ahead. Jeff, uh, it's good to hear you. It's Paul. Um, you know, you were with the Giants and Tom Coughlin obviously uh, played a big part in your career, uh, you know, down the stretch there. You know, from what you've seen of Joe Judge, do you see any Coughlin and him, you know, I mean, he came, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Um, I see a little bit of Bill Parcells in him a little bit. Uh, do you see, you know, what do you see? Do you see some Coughlin judge similarities there? A little bit. I, you know, I, I just knowing about Bill Parcells and, and playing against him and, you know, the things that I've heard living in this market and, and around this team about Bill, I can see that. I can see a lot of that. In fact, I probably see more of that than the Tom Coughlin. I think the Tom Coughlin and Joe Judge is basically the rule follower. These guys understand it's black and white. There's there's no gray area. There's no nothing. It's either, you know, you do it this way or you're not going to do it at all. And it sure was evident when you saw what happened with um, Golden Tate. He bit, he nipped that in the bud right away. Basically told the team, this is I'm not going to deal with this kind of stuff. You know, this is the way we do things. And you know, and then I think there were some things that went on there, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I know, Paul, you kind of had some inklings about what happened with Mark Colombo or things like that. And in my opinion, how could Joe Judge, you know, reprimand someone like Golden Tate and then not do that to his coach if he's going to cuss him out in a meeting or something? So, you know, I don't know exactly what happened in that, but I think that had a lot to do with a Tom Coughlin. And so, I think you put both of those guys together and you're getting Joe Judge. And what I like about Joe Judge is that I think that he, the players relate to him. He's young, okay? He's not even 40 years old yet. So they have a little bit of connection there. But I feel that because he's fair, he's tough, and he wants to get to know every one of those players. And I think that there's a lot of respect for him around that locker room. You know, it's interesting because you mentioned maybe more, a little more Parcells and Coughlin. And you know where that comes out, Jeff? Just this past week, Joe Judge 
does a press conference on Zoom wearing a Mississippi State bucket hat and shirt. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Ole Miss, yeah. Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, a Mississippi bucket hat and shirt, losing a bet with Evan Ingram, who Evan Ingram then interrupts the Zoom meeting to kind of give his head coach a little dig. Now, I don't think Tom Coughlin would do that. I don't think you're going to interrupt Tom Coughlin's Zoom, but that is that kind of young, I get it, framework that you see with this guy, right? That he's all business, but... He still understands and can relate to these guys as people. Let's have a bet on the Egg Bowl. Mississippi beats Mississippi State. You get your week in the sun there. You know, that goes a long way with these players, doesn't it? That kind of interaction. It does. And it's just, you know, a lot of people don't understand just the little things that coaches do for their players that make a huge impact. And I think LT, you'll understand this. You know this. That I thought that coming out of training camp, and Paul, you remember when Joe Judge, when they had the fumble drill with the water and the mud, I think that that point in time is when these players said, oh, my God, just look at this guy. He's going to get down and dirty with us. Um, and that was the last play of the of training camp, and they jumped on the, on the season train and let's go. And I think that that was the start of everything and, and the trust. And because, you know, it's one thing as a player, when you have a coach that gets up there and does your coach talk and does all this other stuff. And I think a lot of people were a little bit worried that the, the brashness of Joe Judge and, and how he made guys start to practice over, how made guys run laps or jumping off sides. You know, these are some of the things where some of the older players would be like, yeah, whatever, dude. Okay. But you better win. Well, they didn't win. They started out 0-5. And so you could very easily lose a team quickly by a guy that's going to jump down your throat. But that didn't happen. And I think that's a credit to him and some of the coaches that are around there and the players believing that it's going to get better because they have to see process. They have to see improvement out of their own selves and their coaches. So, And I think they're, they're basically, at this point in time, the fruits of their labor are, are, are there and they're evident. They've got a four-game winning streak, and they finally beat a team outside their division, which puts them on the map, in my opinion. Jeff, do you like the Giants to win this division now? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, it's going to be tough. I mean, tonight we'll get the Washington uh, Redskins playing, and then on Tuesday you got the Cowboys. So that's going to tell a lot going into the next four games of the season. But, you know, if, Giants can, if the Redskins can lose tonight, the Giants got a nice little cushion. And remember, I, I don't think that Joe Judge cares a lick about the division right now. All he cares about is going to go and play Arizona Cardinals next week. And he's got the team drinking that Kool-Aid, understanding we don't care about anything. We just care about the next game in front of us. Hey, Jeff, we talked a lot about the good, the bad, the ugly today on the on the show. It, what did you see yesterday on the block punt? I tried to explain it, but I thought maybe you would see something that I didn't see. But it it looked like the just the, it looked like Dave the Mayo just didn't get any depth, and obviously the timing was fine. But it was just a it was a good block. It was a good play. I mean, it was very well designed. And it, what happened was Nate Ebner, as a personal protector, you know, his first responsibility is the middle of the, of the, the rush. So he's calling the protections. And what happened is that they stacked that outside guy that came, eventually came in and blocked the kick. He came all the way around. So it was almost like a stunt. Ebner had to make a decision because it was a two-way go. Either go and get the guy coming inside, or you pick the guy that actually blocks it, blocks the kick. He went inside the block, and at the last second, he saw the guy come around. And Riley Dixon just didn't have any time at all. So, you know, and that was a big play in the game. And it was actually something that the Giants, the week before, gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. They gave up a huge punt return in the game. And so they've got to get better in that category. And they have been all season. Paul knows this covering the team. That the special teams, we knew at the beginning of the season that that was going to be their bread and butter. They were going to be a good special 
special teams unit and win one of those three sectors of the game, offense, defense, special teams, you win two of the three every week, you're going to have a chance to win. So we knew the Giants were going to be good at special teams, but then the last couple of weeks that they've had this uh, problem. So they need to button that up if they're going to be a playoff team. But yeah, it was just a uh, LT, great design play and, you know, effective and they got it. Hey, Jeff, we had um, Graham Gano on last week and uh, it threatened to become a, a Gano Lawrence Tynes special teams kicking takeover. Of course it did. You know, now we have you and, you know, I mean, I, I know people are tuning in left and right for this special teams tutorial we're getting, but I understand it's a big part of the game. Now, I'll stick with special teams, okay? You, you're you taking a lie detector test now, okay, Jeff? Okay, I'm you are not the father. In Green Bay, in Green Bay, in minus 23 wind chill, right? In Green Bay at Lambeau Field, you come out for pregame warm-up. You have not a great pregame session. Is that correct? <laughs> no. Now listen, well, the, 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 the funniest thing about the, the, the whole pregame thing was, you know, LT's got to get his kicks in, right? You know, forget about me, who I still have to warm up, right? So I am so freaking cold that I, I can't even feel my hand after that. So I'm like, I, I go to put my shoe on. I, I, I change my shoe. I can't even tie my shoe. I finally tied up. I hit one ball. I'm like, uh-uh, this ain't happening. And it's the one of the first times I have never warmed up before a game because Lawrence wanted to take his nine or ten kicks on one end, nine or ten kicks on the other end. Forget that it's 25 below zero. I got to get my kicks in. And then he goes and misses the two during the game. You know, right, we're like, on. hey, we only got shocked. like six or seven in in pregame. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think we did like three on each side, and then it was I looked at you, ridiculous. and you're just like, "Look, I." And plus, we got Jay Alford firing fastballs back. Oh my god! Um, yeah, left-handed yeah, spin, really which means nothing yeah. to uh, anybody, but a left-handed snapper is trouble. Oh god, you uh, guys, you guys with your left-handed spin. We just couldn't oh, no, get any reps in. You, you laugh about that ball, about the left-handed thing. It, it, it is ridiculous. It's first time that Jay showed up, and Lawrence remembers this. I mean. <laughs> Here we get this guy to come in. I mean, he's like, you know, 6'3", 300 pounds. He throws, you know, he's like throwing a 102-mile-an-hour fastball. He gets up there and just throws two back to me, and I drop both of them. And I said to him, like, dude, just take a little bit off of it, okay? You know, we're only eight yards away. So I end up dropping again. I dropped the other one. And finally I go, are you left-handed? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, why didn't somebody tell me that? I mean, the ball's coming backwards. <laughs> and everything's backwards. <laughs> You're called the holder, okay? That means when you're not punting, you have to hold. That You're not the dropper. You're the holder. No one needs to hear the drop. You need to hold. Now, look, you're still on the witness stand here, okay? Oh, you're, still, you're still on the witness stand. In overtime, Lawrence, as you said, has already missed two. He, his foot is frozen. It's purple. We know that. The game is tied. You, you, you're trying to retire the great Brett Favre and get to the Super Bowl. At the 47-yard line, you are 100% sure Lawrence is going to make the kick. You think Tom Coughlin is crazy for sending out the field goal team. What are you thinking in that situation? Your, your, your hand is on the Bible. You have to tell the truth. I'm going in the reverse order here. Okay, so first of all, I'm standing down by Tom, and we're, we're going to punt. That's all I'm thinking, Okay. And you guys, you probably have got to know Lawrence pretty good. Lawrence doesn't give a crap about anything. He's, I'm on the field, man. We are kicking this field goal. He runs out on the field. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're not punting. Here we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one thing hey, I can I, tell you. If I didn't do that, I'd be at the bottom of the Hudson right now. 
So. You, you exactly, exactly right. And the <laughs> thing about it is that if you know Lawrence, like we all know him, very confident, okay? And when he tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And so that nobody had – so I think there's a moment in Tom Coughlin's coaching career where this came this, – this was from major experience. A coach knows when a player wants to do something, he's going to do it well, you know. And then, like quarterbacks, they always have that that kind of sense in that they want to win the game. Well, obviously, a field goal kicker wants to win the game, but in under a possible situation, he knew he could do it. So all I could do now, I'm going to go back. Now I'm running on the field, Paul, and now I'm thinking to myself, okay, Lawrence, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just catching it. It is so freaking cold. All I could care about is catching it and putting it down. And I knew that he would get it through. I knew he would. But I was more nervous about me catching it and getting it down than him making the field goal. And by the way, I got people I, don't take I that have, into consideration. The the hold no, like that. What Jeff did all day long, it was so damn difficult. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Well, I do know this is after seeing thousands and thousands of, of Lawrence's kicks. You know, he's got that like a golfer has a little bit of a draw. That when it, when he hit that ball it was outside the post, and I knew it was coming back in, and all of a sudden, bam! Now here's the kind of everything. So normally Lawrence is going to, you know, we high five, nice kick, Lawrence, nice hold, Jeff, you know, this, that, that. Now Lawrence is just going to take off into the locker room without <laughs> saying goodbye to anybody. I mean, we just, I've been in the league for 20 years. He just kicked us into the Super Bowl. And I have a picture in my office of me looking around. I'm, I'm looking around for someone. I mean, it should, my, this, this picture should have been me holding Lawrence. But I'm looking around. The first person that's out there is Ken, Eli. I'm, I'm hugging him. Lawrence is nowhere to be found. That's a way no better picture anyway with Eli. That's, no, it wasn't. I would have would have been better with you, LT. So, but uh, you know, and you I guys got to go out and recreate kick. that. Go find a cold field somewhere, put on your uniforms, and and hug Lawrence and say that <laughs> picture from 2007. Go ahead, Lawrence needs a hug now and then. Go do it. I bet Lawrence would fit into his uniform better than I would. I'm going to be 55 next next you know next year. So. So here you go. But Jeff, when you're you're bald like we are, you never age. So really, you're like forty. Um, so there you go. It's That's, the best. It it's really the best. Is. I mean, how many times I wake up in the morning, I look just as good as I did the day before. You know, <laughs> nothing. It's just great. So yeah. it's all good. I'm 29, good. so I look 40. But when I'm 50, I look 40. So that's how I look at it. Later in life, there you it, go. It will benefit there me. There you go. Uh, Jeff Beagles, you can catch him on WFAN's pre and post game for the Giants. Giants.com. Super Bowl 42 champion Jeff. We appreciate you coming on Blue Rush, and hopefully, we'll talk to you uh, later in the season. Thanks. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. And great, great talking to you. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. That says cheerio to episode 56, the Lawrence Taylor, a.k.a. the Real LT edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCroy for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever the hell you get your bloody pods. For Paulie Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Staines. We come back to your eardrums on Thursday to preview the Giants matchup with those bloody Cardinals. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Iconic 